Thank you. Well, it is uh, great uh, to be back with you. Really enjoyed worshiping with you this morning. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not Kevin Bartlett, despite what the machine says. Um, I am still Pete Roberts, but uh, yeah, it's great to be with you. I wonder whether you're feeling uh, strong uh, this evening. I don't know if you are. We could try some uh, arm wrestling, see who's the strongest. I uh, don't, don't know how you do that on Zoom, Jonathan, but we could give it a go. Um, whether you're feeling strong or whether you're feeling weak, um, I don't necessarily mean physically, of course. I, I mean, how do you feel in your walk with the Lord? Do you feel strong or do you feel weak? How do you feel in your calling as a husband or a wife? Do you feel strong or do you feel weak? How do you feel as a mother or a father, as a friend, as a church leader, as someone who goes to work? Do you feel strong or do you feel weak? So, I feel weaker the more I preach. It's a strange phenomenon. My preaching is like my swimming. Uh, I flounder beneath the surface, uh, just trying to stay afloat. So if you feel weak this evening, you're not alone. If you feel weak as a church leader, as an evangelist, a youth worker, a wife, husband, mother or father, whatever else you're called to do and to be, you're not alone to feel weak. And so I want to encourage, I want to encourage you, if you feel weak, that our weakness displays God's strength. Though we are weak, if we are but willing, God can fan into flame a passion for Jesus' name in our lives. He says to us, go in my strength, I will be with you. I wonder if we could change our approach to weakness and instead of letting weakness hold us back, we let weakness spur us on. As that song has just said, we labour on in weakness and rejoicing, for in our need, his power is displayed. Or as God puts it in his word, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. That's my message tonight from Judges chapter 7. God is glorified in our weakness when we put our faith in his great strength to save us. God is glorified in our weakness when we put our faith in his great strength to save us. So for those of you who are here this morning, we saw God's great mercy. As Jonathan has says, we saw him rest, come to the rescue of God's people through Gideon during the time of the judges. And we looked at the movement of God's mercy towards his people. He doesn't come to us in a begrudging, disappointed way, but with great love towards his people. But if you remember... Uh, those of you who are there, when God calls Gideon, he feels really, really weak. So in Judges 6, we read this, verse 14 and 15. The Lord turned to Gideon and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Uh, pardon me, Lord, Gideon replied. But, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. He feels really weak. I don't know if you watched any of the Tokyo Olympics. Anybody who watched the Olympics, quite incredible, wasn't it? Some amazing feats of strength and endurance. I don't know if you saw one of the, the world records went in the climbing. One of these ladies climbed up a wall like Spider-Man. It was absolutely incredible. And we could be forward into thinking that we need to be Olympic in order to show God's glory that we need to 
We need to be strong and quick and full of stamina. But instead, we display God's strength in our weakness. And so as we come to chapter seven of Judges, Gideon is full of weakness. Uh, and so he's amassed an army. He builds this army and he's clothing God's spirit. He's laid out his fleece and he thinks he's about as ready as he'll ever be to face this Midianites. And so let's read what happens next. So this is Judges chapter seven and the first two verses. Early in the morning, Jeroboam, that is Gideon, and all his men camped at the spring of Harod. The camp of Midian was north of them in the valley near the hill of Moreh. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian into their hands or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. So here is Gideon. He thinks he's weak, but he's not weak enough. Gideon, of all people, is actually too strong. He's amassed an army that will rob God of his glory. And that's something that we can do. We can each do. We can act in our own pretended strength, putting on a show of strength, too proud to show our weakness and rob God of his glory. We do it when we hide our fears and our failures from one another. And so the first challenge really this evening is that we would be more vulnerable with each other. What if we could share in open worship and in growth groups and in one-to-ones our weaknesses? It's a big risk to be vulnerable, but it's in that way that we encourage one another. See, if we share our weaknesses and yet we can see in each other's lives evidence of God's strength, then we're going to testify the goodness of God to one another. And that's the way that Paul spoke to me in 2 Corinthians chapters 11 and 12. He found that since God's strength is made perfect in weakness, he concluded he should boast in his weaknesses in order to display God's strength. See, God wants his people to glory in his strength, in his power, in his victory. That's why God gets to work with Gideon and starts to whittle him down into more and more weakness. So verse three, you'll you'll know this story, many of you really well, announced to the army, Anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 men left and 10,000 remained. Imagine the the ones that left just sigh of relief that they could go and no longer had to remain. They're facing the Midianites, 135,000 of them, like locusts, more than a sound on the seashore, God's word says. So 10,000. Is he weak enough? Well, the whittling of God isn't over, is it? God is going to strike at the wood again. Gideon knows he's weak, but he's nowhere near weak enough. So verse four, we read, the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many men. Take them down to the water and I will thin them out for you there. If I say this one shall go with you, he shall go. But if I say this one shall not go with you, he shall not go. So you see, we have this second test. The first test was fear. So what's the second test? Some kind of mini Olympics, maybe. A strength test, an endurance test, a fitness test. Nope, a drinking competition. Not that kind of drinking competition. But, you know, God knows everything about us, doesn't he? So God knows that 
the right test to whittle these men down from 10,000 to 300 is to take them to the water's edge and make them drink. I mean, God knows everything, doesn't he? Exactly this detail. So verse five said, Gideon took the men down to the water and there the Lord told him, separate those who lap the water with their tongues as a dog laps from those who kneel down to drink. 300 of them drank from cupped hands, lapping like dogs. All the rest got down on their knees to drink. And so Gideon looks at the men and how they're drinking and he sort of gulps really hard. <laughs> I think he might know what's coming. Verse seven, the Lord said to Gideon, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hand. Let all the others go home. And so I think probably the 300 men gather around and waft him, make sure he doesn't faint and uh, make sure his eyes don't glaze over because this is about the size of Upton Vale versus the whole population of Torbay. <laughs> That's what we're talking about. 300 versus 135,000. God has whittled them down in weakness. And God has been whittling us, hasn't he? Whittling us as a nation, whittling us as a church. And, and we who remain are weak and small, but we can reveal God's strength if we stand firm in faith. See, a faithful remnant is of more value to the Lord than an army full of half-hearted warriors. A faithful remnant is of more value to the Lord than an army full of half-hearted warriors. God's whittling, you see, produces a sharpened tool, a tool that can pierce hearts with the gospel. Perhaps you are being called to stand up for Christ. Perhaps you're being called to speak to others about Jesus, about the cross of God's grace, and you feel weak. You're right where God needs you to be. Because whittled in weakness, we reveal his strength. Because as Gideon learns, the Lord alone is our saviour. Verse 7 again, with the 300 men that lapped, I will save you and give the Midianites into your hands. Not you will save Israel, but I will save you. See, it's the Lord's strength that saves. He keeps his promise to rescue his people. He's whittled Gideon down for a reason, so that he will get all the glory. He's not an egomaniac. He gets the glory because he's the only one who deserves it. And as he gets glory from our lives, as we praise him, as we reveal his victory, our lives get joy and purpose and meaning. Because we live to the praise of the God of all creation the God of all wonders and glory. So Gideon is on the verge of going to war with 300 men. And uh, for those who were there this morning, you can almost sort of hear him scratching his head and looking for his fleece again. God has whittled the weakest to make him even weaker. He's thinned him so that the light of God's glory can shine through. As God whittles, as he whittles and thins us down, what do we learn? we learn to depend more and more on him. We learn that to grow in Christ is to grow smaller by degrees, not bigger. See, it's like a candle, isn't it? The more a candle glows, the smaller it gets. The more we glow with the light of Christ, 
the smaller we become. Well, it's like a pencil. Pencil gets smaller the more you use it. And the more we write the life of Christ with all that we do and say, the smaller we become. John the Baptist said it, didn't he? He must increase. I must decrease. See, if Tom Bartlett were here, he'd say it's called inverse variation. That means the number on one side of the equation grows bigger as the number on the other side grows smaller. I'm not going to share screen it with you because it's the school holidays, but that's how it works apparently. And if I did share screen it with you, I'd probably get it wrong. But that's how it works. We grow smaller and God grows bigger because we reveal more of his power and glory, his strength. We don't often understand what God is doing as he whittles. Why we get left out or overlooked or laid low. Why the church empties and people leave. Why our health declines. Why we can't serve him as we want to. Why we feel weaker, not stronger, the more we serve the Lord Jesus. And maybe you're feeling whittled and weak, wondering, God, why are you making this harder? Why are you making me feel weaker? He whittles us to increase our faith in his strength to save, so that our reliance is fully on him. God has whittled Gideon down, and he is finally ready to face the Midianites. He's got 300 men, they've got some trumpets and some pots and jars, and he's facing a massive army armed with swords and clubs. But God says, that sounds like a fair fight to me. You see, God will whittle us down until we're ready to place all our faith in Christ Jesus alone. Whatever you're facing, the Lord knows what you need. Now that he's whittled you, it's time to fight the good fight of faith. But as we learned this morning, God is intensely merciful. He knows Gideon's looking at these 300 men and he's starting to doubt and fear again. And so he gives him a wonderful divine nudge. Exactly what he needs. So verse 8 to 14 says this. So Gideon sent the rest of the Israelites home but kept the 300 who took over the provisions and the trumpets of the others. Now the camp of Midian lay below him in the valley. During that night, the Lord said to Gideon, get up, go down against the camp because I'm going to give it into your hands. If you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Pura and listen to what they're saying. Afterward, you'll be encouraged to attack the camp. So he and Pura, his servant, went down to the outpost of the camp. The Midianites, the Amalekites and all the other eastern peoples had settled in the valley. Thick as locusts, their camels could no more be counted than the sand on the seashore. Gideon arrived just as a man was telling a friend his dream. I had a dream, he was saying. A round loaf of barley bread came tumbling into the Midianite camp. It struck the tent with such force that the tent overturned and collapsed. His friend responded, this could be nothing other than the sword of Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite. God has given the Midianites and the whole camp into his hands. Isn't that wonderful? Jesus sympathizes with us in our weakness. He is gentle and lowly. He loves to encourage us. And so God gives Gideon this, this final push, this final push. 
It's just, it's just like a father, isn't it? Teaching son or daughter to ride a bike, giving them that push. Or a friend in the classroom who nudges you to put your hand up, knowing that you have the answer. God gives him everything he needs. And it just so happened. I mean, what amazing providence of God, how he ordered everything. That Gideon and his, his servant would come to the right tent at the right time to hear these exact words spoken in this exact way. That is the God we worship. God loves to draw us alongside us, you see. After he whittles us in weakness, he loves to wait for us and nudge us forward to step out in faith and follow Jesus. I wonder if you need a divine nudge right now. Maybe you're being called to lay something down or to take something up. But like Gideon, you've been wavering and waiting in weakness. Well, trust God and get going. For in your weakness and rejoicing, his power is displayed. Gideon now has all he needs. He has the call of God. He has 300 men, some trumpets and some pots, a bucket load of encouragement, the strength of the Lord. And so what does he do? Does he fight? Does he march? Does he shout? No, first of all, he worships. Verse 15, we read this. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed down and worshipped. He returned to the camp of Israel and called out, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Even before they marched to the victory, he worshipped. And we are called to do the same, to receive in worship the salvation of Christ won for us on the cross. The victory over sin and death has been completed. As he said, God has given the Midianites into your hands. Jesus has paid for all your sin and shame on the cross. So trust in his victory. Believe that his strength is made perfect in your weakness. Trust God and get going. Gideon and his men are off to victory and they have the strangest of weapons. Look at verse 16. Dividing the 300 men into three companies, he placed trumpets and empty jars in the hands of all of them with torches inside. As we read the rest of the chapter, Gideon and his men go to fight in faith. Midian flee in fear and the Lord turns them against one another. He wins the victory over their enemies. See, God sent Gideon in weakness to show his great strength. And Israel was saved. It was brought into a period of peace for 40 years. 300 men, some pots and trumpets. Sounds so foolish. And it's just like that with the cross of Christ, isn't it? It sounds so foolish. But it's the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes. See, when Jesus hung on the cross, he hung breathless and lifeless. His weakness was the ultimate display of God's strength, God's power over all evil and all sin. See, Jesus has given us the victory. Our fight of faith is as fair as Gideon's was. We are weak, but we fight in the strength of the one who has already won the victory for us at the cross. So this week, pray on in weakness. Serve in weakness, work in weakness, lead in weakness, preach in weakness, evangelize in weakness. 
boast in your weaknesses to one another. And you will grow in your faith as you see the strength of God to save us. Let me close with Revelation 7 verse 12. It says this, praise and glory and wisdom and thanks and honour and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to pray and then uh, hand back to Jonathan to dismiss you in his usual inimitable way. Uh, let's pray, shall we, together. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day, for our opportunity to share in worship and fellowship together. We thank you for your word and for these passages and the call of Gideon, the one who you raised up to deliver your people. We thank you that through his life we learn of your mercy towards us, that we, though rebels and sinners, are saved by you, your infinite stretch of mercy. And Lord, we thank you that tonight we learn that you whittle us down in weakness so that we labour on in that weakness, rejoicing in the one whose strength is so powerful, can save even us, even me. Lord, we thank you for your strength to save, and we ask that you give us this week that vulnerability to share our weaknesses and testify to your strength. In Jesus' name, amen.